Hey everybody, Keith here, live in the lab, live in the Business Athlete Performance Lab, and you're hearing some snap, the power, and you're thinking, the power. Why is he playing the power today? I'll tell you why I'm playing the power. I'll tell you exactly why I'm playing the power. Because I got somebody on the show today who has the power. Yeah, and anybody who's in a leadership position or an executive position or relies on extremely talented help around them, know who has the power. Trevinia Barber, coming up today on the show. And uh, Trevinia is a seasoned business development professional specializing in helping entrepreneurs scale their business, improve leadership, and build reliable teams through her company, Priority VA. So we're going to bring Trevinia in in a couple of moments. But before we do that, so we've been talking about this experience that we're launching in 2024 out of the lab, a change your life, enhance your life experience. And I'm excited today because I met with Oliver Brown. And if anybody's been following the show a couple of weeks ago, we had Oliver Brown on. He just came back from Kilimanjaro. Yeah, I think it was his 375th time this year he did it, actually. So Oliver just climbs Kilimanjaro in his sleep. As for all of you that are paying attention, he's an uh, adventurer, he's been to Everest. And so we've been talking about this experience we're doing next year. And to remind anybody who's been paying attention, in January, we're kicking the year off in Panama. Yeah, Panama. We're going to climb Volcan Baru, the only place in the world you can see the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean at the same time. And then we're going to meet and hang out through the first quarter of the year virtually. We're going to put our MedQuest, MetaQuest headsets on. We're going to meet in virtual reality and augmented reality with presence. We're going to use the Peloton app to stay connected on the fitness side of things for the first quarter of the year. And then in the second quarter, we're going to make our way to the Azores. The Azores. Yeah, they pop out of the Atlantic. And then we're going to go climb Mount Pico. Mount Pico. We're going to stay overnight at the top and climb to the crater. Climb from the crater to the top of the mountain of Mount Pico. We're going to see the Atlantic all around us. As a matter of fact, I was doing some reading today. The mountains, the volcanoes in the Azores, if you drain the ocean, are some of the highest peaks on the planet. Uh, so we're going to climb the Azores. And the Azores, I'm sorry, Mount Pico is a warm-up for what we're going to do in September. In September, we're going to make our way to Tanzania, Africa, and we're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. We're going to transform our lives. So now you're thinking, Keith, really? You're going to take us all these places? Oh, yeah, and it's not even done yet. So for 10 people that are looking to enhance, change, transform their life. We're going to continue our journey on our Pelotons, in our headsets, connecting throughout the year, coaching, moving forward. And then we're going to end the year in Kenya, East Kenya. We're going to spend the year, we're going to spend three days on one safari on the Mara. We're going to spend another three days on a safari in the Lua Conservancy. We're then going to make our way to Lamu, Kenya, a little village of Lamu Island and Shela Beach. And we are going to end the year on a retreat where we bring everybody together over this entire experience to transform people's lives. So if you've heard that and you're curious about it, and I'm thinking Trevinia's is paying attention going, do I have some people that might want to do that? Well, we want to hear from you. Limited space available. We're looking for 10 people that want to transform their lives and have a transformative experience. Now you're thinking, I can't take all this time off from my life. Yeah, you can actually, because this is actually more important than probably anything else you're doing. This is probably more important than anything else you're doing. We're still going to have life. We're still going to have to go to work. We're still going to have to raise our families. We're still going to have to go through the rest part of our life. But along the way, we're going to have the opportunity to bond and spend time with like-minded individuals and tackle these accomplishments to transform our lives. So stay tuned for more details here on the show. Stay tuned for details on the feed. But if you're listening to this and if you hear the chop later showing up on LinkedIn or X or YouTube, let me know you want to sign up. Limited spots available. I already got a few people knocking on my doors. They're, they're, they're asking me questions like, are you really doing this? I'm like, well, yeah, why wouldn't we? Well, for sure we are. Oh, one other thing too. The Apple Vision Pro comes out next year. Yes, it does come out next year. And Apple's about to change the world of spatial computing. 
And we all know the iPhone 15 is going to shoot video in spatial video. So by the end of next year, to you content creators out there, I'm going to give you a platform to create some of the most unbelievable content you could imagine. You'll have content that will set you apart from anybody else in your feed. Think about it. But enough of that. I'm going to flip the script, bring over the dual screen, and I really want to hear what Trevinia Barber has to say. Hey. Welcome to Live in the wow. Lab. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I really hung on to one of the things that you said talking about this trip. Tell me. No, it's not a trip. Not a trip. It's, it's a transformative experience. Well, when you said you might not be able to take off work or people think that they can't take off work. Well, they can if they have a team they can trust, right? So for anybody who's thinking about Mount Pico and the Azores and Kilimanjaro, holy cow, go check this out and sign up. I'm going to go read about it myself. This sounds like a fun year. Okay, so I just got goosebumps because producer Roland, we could not have timed out this guest at any better time because I'm suspecting, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and all above that Trevinia probably has some people in her network or people that she works with that she's going to say, you got to go do this because you're just too busy working all of the time. And I could take over this stuff for you at, uh, at Priority VA. So go and transform your life. Priority VA will take all the other stuff over and off we go. Am I thinking the same way as you are, Trevinia? I mean, there, there are definitely some people that come to mind <laughs> when I think of someone who needs a trip like this. So yeah, absolutely. But so thanks for sharing that. I, I feel like I got a sneak peek into what's next for a lot of 10 amazing humans next year. So thanks for sharing that. So welcome to the lab. I try to keep things light and enjoyable and fun here. And I, I got a bunch of questions for you. We'll get into all of that as well. But before we do that, who's Trevinia Barber? I think that what I like to hang my hat on uh, is something my best friend told me when I was in like ninth grade. She said that my headstone should read, well, at least she was honest. And uh, so I think that's what most people can expect from me is just truth. I, I go deep really quick. I don't like a lot of the fluff. And I think that I, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a business owner, I'm an avid scuba diver all those types of things. But at the end of it, I'm just somebody who's trying to do a little better today than I did yesterday because the majority of the time it's a shit show, let's be honest. I had a good chat with Captain Hoff last week and one of the themes that came up was authenticity. And it's clear to me, you, you showed me your truth tattoo and just even just your words, you just responded to me moments ago. You said you go fast and you go deep. So you have no time for the BS that much yeah. of society seems to put on the table. Why is that? I think that what we all crave is connection. And we often feel like we have to put on a mask to be whoever we're supposed to be for the person that we're in front of. And I did that for a really long time and I got very tired. And I just feel like I want to be somebody that people know that they're going to get the real me no matter when they get me. And, you know, good day or bad day, I'm going to just kind of come out with my true colors and hope that people like me. And if they don't, I've got to just accept that and keep moving forward. I'm a big fan of that attitude. I am the same way. You'll either like me or not like me. I'm more authentic than my kids sometimes would probably prefer their dad to be. But I think that I'm teaching them that being authentic is how, especially in a world of AI and technology coming around us, the authenticity of a human being has never been more important. I have a funny story, I, completely unrelated to work or anything, but it actually does show you who I am. I just moved my daughter to Florida. She's 20 and we just moved her there this weekend. And so I didn't work yesterday and I got here into my office this morning and there was a post-it note on my computer from my daughter saying basically like, you did good mom, right? And that's really what this is all about. And in hoping that the way that I show up, I have four daughters, my kids see that and I hope that one by one they realize like, it's not 
the only way to be. There's a million ways that we can show up, but this is the one that works best for me. And I hope that it will work best for them as well as they go off into their lives. Yeah. So you talk about authentic. Anybody watching right now, would, would if they zoomed into my eyes or seeing gloss in my eyes, because I'm, you're touching me with that because like what you're talking about is real right now, right? There's just no bullshit here, right? It's part of my language, but it's just, it's real, right? So you have four daughters and you're setting an example. What is the example you're setting to them? Work hard. I, I think that one of the things I actually had to learn was how to rest. So I think I've instilled in my kids a great work ethic. They, I've got some that are athletes. I've got others that are just really studious. So they work hard. And I'm really trying to instill in them now how to rest also. I'm in the middle of taking a sabbatical from our business. And that is the hardest thing that I have ever done is to not grind and say yes to every opportunity and go. So I'm instilling both work hard rest. And I think being true to what you're called to do in the moment, even when it might disappoint a lot of people. I think that's something that's really important for me to instill in my girls and also continue to learn myself if I'm being really truthful. Of course. Yeah. Trevinia, why did it take you so long to learn how to rest? I think it's a challenge that many business owners have. It yeah. took me a long time to discover my journey through life. Share with us why it's taken you so long to recognize that you need to rest and recover. I grew up relatively lower middle class and got to eat good old government cheese and powdered eggs and those types of things. And I had this memory actually just the other day. Uh, my mom was a housekeeper and she cleaned houses for incredibly wealthy people. And I must have been sick one day or something. And I went to work with her and I had this memory of like looking around this mansion, right? What it felt like a mansion to me and drawing a line in the sand and sort of making a vow to myself is that I will have that one day, right? Or I won't have the life that I had growing up at home being poor. And I think that is what compelled me to not ever take a break was this vow that I had created that I wasn't going to be like that. And that actually could end up being my detriment, right? Mm -hmm. Like having such a vow and not being willing to take a break so I could reach some immovable goalpost, right? That I'm never going to get to the end zone that goal is never going to manifest itself, right? I remember thinking I needed $10,000 in the bank years and years uh, ago, right? I'll be happy when I have 10,000 in cash. And 10 became 50, became 100, became 500, right? Like, and it just never was enough. And so I had to learn, like, I'm going to have to learn how to rest or I'm going to have a stroke or a heart attack and those kids will be orphans and that will suck. Resting and recovering is more important than anything else when you think about it, yeah. right? Because, and I myself as an entrepreneur would rush fast, 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 fast and think that you can't rest. Climbing Kilimanjaro and keeping this tattered, my wife just gives me grief constantly. She's like, will you take that thing off? It's just, it's horrible looking. And maybe I should get a tattoo, like you have truth tattooed on you, but this idea, Trevinia of Ipoli, go slow, go slow to go faster. I just had a conversation this morning, somebody reaching out to me saying, hey, where are we with this? And in this work situation, I, I got burned on the situation last week because I was going too fast. So I said mm -hmm. to him today, I said, you know what? We're gonna slow it down, we're gonna go faster because we got burned last week. And I know if we slow it down, we'll actually get the job done faster. But it took me a long time to get to create that awareness. I have a daughter who's an athlete, right? And we'll tell her, she her rest and her refueling and yes. her recovery is just as important as the hard workouts that she does. And I will tell my clients, we got to slow down so we can speed up. But when they're onboarding or bringing on new team members and building out new processes and stuff, but somehow, Many of us entrepreneurs have a mental block when it comes to doing that for ourselves. Trevino, you mentioned one of your daughters is an athlete. You're a business person. What does a business athlete mean to you? Ooh, two things. I think that it means constantly doing everything that we can to 
be at our peak performance, whether that is building teams around us, building good systems around us, putting the right mentors, coaches in front of us. I think it means that. And I think it also means being so deeply committed to our own personal growth that we're willing to do work when other people won't, right? If you think of some of the best athletes, they are the ones who they'll put in that little extra effort or they'll take care of their own mental health when it comes time to take care of their own mental health, right? Some of the best people in sports are like, I'm bowing out of this tournament, right? Because I got to pay attention to my mental health. So I think it's just knowing yourself really deeply. Yeah, I think that's what it means for me. We idolize athletes for what they do in the 60 minutes we watch them on television. Yet the reality is it's the other 23 hours of the day where they need to be the pro, the rest and the recovery so that they can perform for those 60 minutes. It's the same thing in life, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Right. You can't live 12 months going full steam. To me, a business athlete is going through, you're looking at your season, right? Knowing what your four quarters are and going, okay, we're ramping it up here. We're going to do this here. Because if you go full speed all year, you're probably going to not succeed, right? So it's maintaining a balance of not the, having the values too low, not having the peaks too high and trains so that you can successfully hit your goals and complete your targets professionally and personally. Love it. Yeah. Trevenia, let's talk a little bit about what you said teams. You help build teams and talk about that to you and how you came into building the business Priority VA. Yeah. It's such an interesting story. I started as an executive assistant when I was 18 years old and through a series of events, ended up having my own company when I wanted to be at home with my kids and needed to find my own sort of gig economy stuff. And so I started working as an executive assistant for some entrepreneurs and my phone started ringing. People started wanting, can you be my assistant? My entrepreneurial light bulb went off that no, I can't. There's no more hours in my day, but I can help you find someone. And here we are 10 years later helping some of the most amazing entrepreneurs in the world find executive assistants and build teams that they can trust so they can go climb Kilimanjaro and or go to the soccer game or take more sales calls, right? Because it doesn't have to be only for people who want to work less. It can be for those who actually want to go faster and do more. And so 10 years ago, I started Priority VA and we started fractional executive assistant, virtual assistant. And now we've morphed over the years into doing just direct hire placements of executive assistants. So no longer fractional stuff because I found as I grew my business, fractional didn't no longer work for me. And so I wanted to resonate with those leaders who it no longer worked for them either. And so now we place EAs in their businesses full time. I love the story. It draws on a relation to a guest we had in the lab last week, which was a Brian Clayton who took 20 bucks and a lawnmower and scaled it into a multi-million dollar grass cutting business. Really? right? Like you're like 20 bucks in a lawnmower. And I say that, and I say that with, the, with that kind of expression, because we both know the number of landscapers and lawnmower companies out there and the guys and women and people that are trying to scale their landscaping business. Now I share that with you because I look at you and I say, why and how did you decide to scale a VA business? And why would you be any different than any other human being that's trying to do the same thing? Why did you succeed? I think I was really successful because every day I worked like I could lose it. And that sort of fear kept me moving. I'm not saying it was the right outlook to have because it actually caused me a lot of sleepless nights. I had the same thing starting my company. I can relate to that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I can relate to that feeling. And I think any entrepreneur listening to us right now is saying, yeah, I can relate to that right now too, Mm -hmm. because you're scared of slowing down, bills are coming or a customer might leave. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that helped make us successful. And I think my approach uh, made us successful is I led with honesty. And I always tell, le- told, tell leaders, if you, you will just 
open the kimono and tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, tell me that you throw pens and that you cuss at your team when you're pissed off. Like, tell me that you'll ignore emails. Like, if you'll just be really honest about who you are when nobody's looking, then I can help find the right fit for you. And that really resonated with people. They were like, wait, I can just be who I am. Like, I don't have to put on my front stage of who I am as a boss. I can be me. The, the kind of bully, the tyrant. And no, I don't recommend being a bully and a tyrant, but I do believe that the right assistant is out there for even those people that could help shift and shape them into being a fantastic leader. But I can't do that if people aren't honest. And so for whatever reason, people felt like they could open up to me and say, all right, here's what's going on. I had a lady one time tell me I need help. And she was saying it through tears. But she said, I promised my kids seven months ago that I'd be home to make dinner and we're still getting Uber Eats, right? And that, it's like, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I can't tell you how motivated that made me to find this person the best assistant possible so that she could honor her commitment to her kid and start making dinners, right? So I just approached it differently. It wasn't like body in matched with another body, right? I I took it a few steps deeper to get the right person in the right seat. You've used the word deeper. You've used the word taking steps and truth. Yeah. I would use the word of vulnerable. You have done a wonderful Mm. job being a vulnerable leader. And as a leader, you've then encouraged your customers as leaders to be vulnerable back to you. Would would I be correct in that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you lead with vulnerability, which I think can also be a little misused in this market, right? If we crying on Instagram and doing all of those things, I don't know that necessarily works for everybody. And I don't think it gets the clicks or the the relationship that people are truly wanting. But I think that my vulnerability is like saying, I've messed up. Here's how I've messed up. Here's how I've learned from the ways that I've messed up. And here's how I can help you avoid making those same mistakes. I think that resonates with people. When I say I've had assistants that have not worked out for me, and they're like, wait, you're the girl that hires assistants. How are you being like, if you can't get it right for you, Right. And I'm like, no, this is how I can get it right for you because I have got it wrong for me before. Right. So I think it's just beneficial to be as real as we can, no matter if we're selling shoes or services like I am. How do you talk about vulnerability with your daughters? This, we could go way down a rabbit hole here. I talk about vulnerability in so many different ways from the time where my girls were very little. They've known the names for their girl parts and boy parts. And we've talked about I'm not the mom who didn't want to have conversations about sex. Or I have a daughter who's just moving. She moved to Florida and I talked to her about how things are going to be very different from her. She's going to find out so much more about who she is and who other people are. We're open. We are the family that my daughters say, mom, other parents don't talk to their kids about these things, whether it's sex, drugs, jobs, any of that. We're just like, let's have that conversation. We'll go deep real quick. It would seem to me in the role that you play in a person's life and his life, your vulnerability, your ability to be authentic. Like it's clear you're very authentic and and, and really human. That is an asset that I can imagine many of your customers come back to time and time again, because from that you build trust. I mean, it's why we say that we help leaders build teams they can trust, right? And I think that there are three things that most leaders are really looking for when they're trying to hire teams. They want someone that they can trust because that's sort of this base of the triangle, right? Like if you Mm. don't trust the person, you're not going to hand over the keys. You're not going to give them access to your email. You're not going to tell them that you're having an affair on your wife and you're just going to hold those things in and you're not going to truly let go. So we need to have a foundation of trust. Then we have to have, we have to have training. 
right? You've got to have an EA who's willing to go the extra mile to learn the things that they need to learn to, to support in your business. And then we want to have traction, right? We want to have someone who's going to not just get your head above water. And I think that's what happens in a lot of times where leaders hire support is they're just like, if I could just get my head above water. And I'm like, hell no, I want you like out on land running. <laughs> I don't want you just treading water. And so I think our customers come back to us because we want to help them get leverage of their time and their energy and their talent. We want to help them have speed of their decision-making, speed of their action and reaction when something kind of hits the fan. And we want them to have calm more than anything. If a leader can have calm in their life, in their own sort of nervous system, that is what trickles downhill to every other employee, every customer, every prospect, right? So that's what we're really hoping to do when we're building these teams is to give them leverage, speed, and calm. How do you break through a leader's ego and build that trust? Because my assumption is ego is a big barrier to yeah. building relationships with the kind of role that your teams do for your customers. Yeah, I break it with honesty, right? I will ask hard questions. I will push back on things that they say when it feels a little egoic. I will sometimes ask, it's almost sometimes more psychology than it is sales, where it's just trying to ask them the right question that you'll see the twitch in their face. And then I'm like, all right, I want you to go there for me, right? And then sometimes even the biggest, burliest entrepreneurs are tearing up or they're saying like, I'm sick of sitting in my boxers at 2 a.m. trying to answer emails. I was once at an event with the leader of a very large company, well-known company in the United States. And I was like, hey, what are you doing, buddy? And he's like, answering emails. And I was like, no, we were at a charity event together. And I was like, no, why are you doing that? And he's like, because I don't have anybody. And I was like, no, this is like so not what you're supposed to do. And you could just see in his face, he was so drained from this feeling of the weight of the world of this multi, probably I don't know, $100 million company, the weight of that on his shoulders because he didn't have support and he didn't know how to get it. And so sometimes it's just opening with a question and then shutting up so they can answer. I've always struggled in my own world with the idea of a virtual assistant. Mm. I've always struggled with, no, if Trevenia wants to book time with Keith, she's going to get Keith. I couldn't, because to me, we're all the same. So it's, I don't want to, I don't want to create a hierarchy of, well, you got to deal with my aide or my assistant. That bothers me as a human being. I've been quite reluctant to those situations. How do you deal with that with people? Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that answer because a lot of leaders are afraid that they don't want to feel like they're better than someone else. Exactly. They have an assistant or they're too good to talk to you, that you've got to pitch them to your assistant. And I can tell you a story. When I worked with Amy Porterfield, I was Amy's executive assistant. She's a well-known marketing um, mm -hmm. expert. And when I would step in for Amy and I would answer emails for her, I would talk to people at an event who really wanted to get to her. They didn't want me, but they felt closer to her. They felt like Amy's too busy to answer my question, but I know Trevinia will make time for me because Amy is, she's building courses and she's doing podcasts and writing books and all those things. And so it wasn't like they felt slighted because they got me. They were actually really excited because they felt like they were one step closer to her than they were to me. And I loved on them and I took care of them and I made sure that they were seen and they were heard. And that was enough for them. And so that would be my reflection for you is that it's almost like in some ways it's duplicating you, right? And it's helping get the person what they need faster. Because my goal was always with any leader that I served was when I was in interviews and stuff, I would ask them, 
I want to be a little bit like Grand Central Station, right? I want to solve the problem as quick as possible for the human who's asking. And if it's finance, great. But if it's you, can I make it be you? Or because I didn't want to be the EA that was like holding people back, right? I'm not a bouncer. I, I wanted to be the person who, if they needed you, Keith, I could get them to you the fastest, right? So look at it through that lens and it might help think, oh my gosh, it's actually going to make sure that I'm talking to the people I need to be talking to. And if someone just needs a receipt or access to a course, or they need the sales page for your Kilimanjaro trip, that doesn't have to come from you. I can duplicate myself now using AI. I can create yeah. synthetic versions of myself using AI. I can yeah. replicate most of the tasks of a VA using AI. And I'm saying those things because we all know anybody listening saying, well, Keith, come on, ask her those questions. Like ask the yeah. questions about how GPT has impacted her world and how Trevenia is thinking about how AI is going to take all yeah. the jobs away of her teammates. Yeah. So what I've been quoted as saying a lot recently is AI isn't going to replace EAs. EAs that use AI are going to replace EAs that don't. So, and that's the way that I look at it. Will some jobs be eliminated? 100%. Yes. But I think that EAs who will embrace AI and who will learn how to use it even better, they then become even more thought leadership in their business with their leaders, right? They become more strategic partners instead of just the doer to book a hair appointment or to file an expense report, right? They become even more powerful and more beneficial to their leaders. Now, there are going to be some leaders who are like, oh, great, one person off the payroll. Those are the kind of leaders EAs want to work for anyway, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. they want to I mean, I think you're going to be able to duplicate what you do and you're going to be able to go faster and further if you have an EA who will use AI. I use AI every single day. Yeah. Perhaps what you're really selling to your clients in the future is you're selling them a human being. Because you said yourself that when you were at that charity event and people were connecting with mm -hmm. you because they couldn't connect with Porterfield, they yeah. felt connected to her through you as a human. Yeah. I think what you're probably, what you'll be offering in the future is exactly that emotion, that feeling of, Yes, you can talk to Joe or Lisa or Sam because that human being is the direct connection to the CEO, right? Whereas the AI yeah, will be a tool was, along the way. I think it was Cameron Harold the other day posted something and he said the new novel thing in business is going to be when the human answers the phone, right? Because we're so used to AI and automation and press one. And, and when a human just picks up, that's going to be the new holy grail of wanting to work with a specific business because yeah, the, the machines are coming and they're here. And so we can embrace them to do the things that we don't want to do or we don't have to do anymore so that we can do the things that only we can do, which right now is absolutely human connection. And I don't think that a robot yet, it's going to get to this point, but I don't think that a robot is going to be able to read your face or hear your voice on a Zoom call and know that your mom just died and somebody that they need to rebook your entire day. Like AI is not going to pick up on that stuff yet. And so while it's uh, still in development, I think a human is the, the still the right answer. It's interesting to hear you say the comments about picking up a phone and having a real human being on the other end. I've been witnessing my mother go through uh, the healthcare system recently. And every time we talk, it's, yeah, well, I picked up the phone and I called. And I'm thinking, going, well, that just seems so dated, yet I know why you're doing it. And I'm going there and I'm saying to myself, well, mom, there's a better way of doing it. But then I stopped myself and said, no, actually, there isn't a better way of doing it because maybe this way you're doing it right now is, is really good. 
right? It's mm-hmm. you're connecting with a human being, which is what we want you to do. I have an interesting story. My company is called Priority VA. And a handful of times I've gotten emails of people thinking that I was the Veterans Administration or I worked in Virginia or something like that. And I got a call a couple of months ago from an elderly veteran gentleman who was looking for assistance and help. And I call, I just took it upon myself. I was like, I'm going to help get you in the right place, buddy. Like, it's not me, but I'm going to help you. And I called for, I'm not even exaggerating, for at least seven or eight days that there's going to be a time where it's like just that human connection is what matters to people. It's underrated. And it seems like it's only going to get worse, right, before it gets better. And as we come upon fake content and what's real, what's not real, the idea of connecting with a human being, some might consider novel, right? And how does it make you feel as a parent when you think about the world your children are going to be moving into from a work perspective, what they're training for work? What do you tell your children? Well, I tell my children that they've got to embrace AI now. One of my daughters is a senior in high school and she was telling me she was afraid. She's like, I don't want to get in trouble. And I was like, oh, I don't care if you get in trouble. Like, You need to use this stuff. Like, You need to learn it. You need to know how to use it because this will be part of your role in the future. But when I talk to my kids about the world that they live in right now, it's so funny because I didn't even want to have kids when I was growing up. I was like, nope, not my jam. Thank you. I'm not interested. And as the world gets more and more chaotic, I was like, dang, maybe I was right. But four yeah, later. But now I have four. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing for me that I want them to understand about the, the world is that they have to either get in the game and start learning and playing it or they will be left behind, right? Just like EA is learning AI. There are some who are sticking their like head in the sand and like, this is too hard and I'm not going to learn it. And like, okay, well, you will be out of a job likely at some point. So they've got to just embrace it and learn it. As entrepreneurs, it's the same thing, right? Do you remember when computers came out? We thought that was goofy or we thought email was wonky and it was just going to be a passing fad. And then the internet and all these things, it's like, oh man, it's here to stay. Yeah, I think it is not going anywhere. That's for sure. And I tell my children the same thing. It's You need to embrace the tools around you and learn them, become experts in them, because those that aren't, well, you'll be passing them along the way. What a fun show. 